please turn in your pew Bibles to page 1007 as I read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The word of God for the people of God. Well, I'm grateful for the lack of applause, uh, with a reminder this is my last Sunday for a while. So, um, Some bags are packed, reservations are made, um, any changes of things I've needed for the trip have been purchased, um, everything's laid out and ready to go. What would you think if I was to get to... Um, the airport, and think, I really don't want to have to take my shoes off for the security. I really don't want to have to sit in this airport, in an airplane for eight hours. There's pretty good Burger King over in Orange Mound, and I'm close by, and decided, let me just stop and go. What are you thinking? Why would anybody do that? You, you've planned out a trip. Why would you stop right before you kind of go. Perhaps you've known people, and if there's anyone um, in here who this is your life story, um, I apologize if uh, this sounds, but maybe you've known people who've gone to, through a school program, who've taken the classes, who've studied, who have taken the late nights of cramming and going through all the bureaucracy and get down to the middle of their very last semester and decide, nah, I don't want to do this. I, I've known people in my life who've done that, and maybe you have as well. Just, And you wonder, why would you spend so much and invest so much and do so much and then decide, no, nah, I think I'll, I'll go another route? Because for the most part, we know that if you've invested and you've um, spent and given yourself to something, there's not much reason towards the end to say, eh, I'm, I'm done, never mind. Because investing, and you, you have to say, well, why not just a little bit more? Why, why not go a little bit further and get what you were anticipating? Reach the goal you wanted. You know, we don't get to mile 25 and a half of a marathon and say, well, you limp across that last half mile or so, but you don't just kind of, ah, never mind. That's 
what the writer of Hebrews is getting in mind here. We've been told how Jesus is greater and better. We've been told how Jesus gives us access to God and fulfills the um, the role of a priest, of a king, a king, a prophet, and how he, uh, as a perfect priest and sacrifice, he's superior to all. He's better, and this is now the um, the application. One, draw near to him, come to him, draw yourself, come. He he made access for you. And then the second is. And if you don't, there's really no other option. There's no other sacrifice available to you. What are you going to do? He's, he's writing to those who are tempted to either return to pagan worship or go back to the old covenant, the old law. And the temptation is to um, give up and go back. And so he says, you've invested so much. You, you were enlightened. You heard the message of the good news. You've heard of forgiveness and um, the offer of the gospel. You've, you've been given knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is. There's a sense in which you understand he is who he says he is. He has risen from the dead. He has given us grace and mercy. He invites us to draw near. And when you hear that, to believe it and trust it means there is a cost involved. There's something that we invest ourselves in to become Christians, to follow Jesus. This is not something terribly popular in modern American churches. I hear a lot of people saying, we believe. Just believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. That's only half of it. The other half is repent. Turn away from trusting in self. Turn away from your sin and repent. And so we kind of downplay the idea of there's a cost, but to repent means there is something to give up of myself. And we're in a, a culture that really highlights that following Jesus is, you know, beneficial and good. We have way too many preachers on television talking about how things will be fulfilled if you follow Jesus and you'll be blessed. And blessing means blessings that the world understands as blessing. But the biblical call to follow Christ is to die to yourself, is to take up your cross, is to turn away from sin. In other words, there's a cost to discipleship. There's a price that is paid to follow Jesus. And so the first thing we have to remember is this whole argument of you've already paid so much reminds us that there is a cost to pay, which might be something for us to ponder and to meditate of. There's a cost to following Jesus. To forgive someone is costly. To endure whatever the sin against you is as you forgive it is costly. To admit that you are a sinner in need of grace and admit those failures before others suffers reproach. To be committed to following Jesus Many of you have probably kind of heard people talk about, you know, church is okay. We like church. Church is a good thing. But you're not one of those, like, really serious Christians. You're not one of those weird Christians who really takes it seriously and changes your schedule and your life and the way you spend money and the way you treat people based on things. There's a cost 
And everyone in here who is following Jesus, you've paid part of that cost. You've paid a price to pursue him and to follow him and to change and to give up things. And that is what biblical Christianity is, is to take up your cross and to follow him. And so what he's saying is, you've already done that. Why would you stop now? Why would you throw away all that you've already invested into following Jesus and give up? But he doesn't just put it as an individual level. I love this. You've been publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. You had compassion on those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. Don't throw away what you've invested, but don't throw away what your brothers and sisters have invested either. It's a reminder that we are with a body of believers who have also paid a costly price to follow Jesus. You know, we, we have been at ease. We haven't suffered the way brothers and sisters have suffered. But believers throughout the world have paid a price. And I hear this, and I, I just think of a brother suffering in a Turkish prison Am I going to throw away all that I invested in and and insult him by saying, yeah, what you've suffered, that's impressive, but man, Sunday schedule, it's just so busy. I need time to catch up on things. To look at brothers and sisters in China who might be sent to prison, to to look at places in uh, the world where brothers and sisters gathering for worship might face death and think, you know, church is nice, but you can only do so much. And, you know, I, how little we are willing to pay. So there's a sense of why would you be discouraged and turn around if you know others have trusted in him to the price of even shedding blood? And we have had compassion on them. We've joyfully accepted, pondering that we've, we've embraced the suffering brothers and sisters have dealt with. And remember that we're part of them. We, we kind of suffer with them. And historically, to think back on those who have gone before us and endured things and to say that we have received this, but, you know, it's so hard to follow Jesus in the modern world. I mean, forget the fact that ancestors in the faith were sent to the lions or tortured. There's a sense in which there ought to be a respect for the community that has paid a price so all of this, he's saying, why would you throw that away? Why would you throw away the investment and get rid of the confidence and lose the reward that is promised? For if you endure, if you persevere, if you hold on to your confidence and your faith, you will receive the reward. You will receive the preservation of your soul. This is the good news. And so he, he draws together some quotes from the prophets. In a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay that we live through the things that we deal with, the suffering, the, the struggle, the work, all the things that we're investing in following Christ, remembering that he is going to establish his kingdom. He will return. He will come with justice, and he will establish a kingdom of perfect peace and righteousness. And in remembering that our hope, verse 38, my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. 
the just will live by faith. It's used by Paul to remind us that we are justified by faith, not works. This reward that he's talking about is not reward that we earn by doing enough good works. The reward is a faith that endures. And what is given if we continue to wait and hope in him, um, the just will live by faith. So it's not just at a moment we have faith and we're justified. It's every day we wake up and whatever cost is to be paid, whatever we're enduring, whatever the world looks like around us, we have confidence and faith in Jesus Christ. And we wake up the next day even having sinned, even having fallen, even having endured. We wake up the next day and the just live by faith. We live it. It's day after day after day living in the confidence of Jesus Christ. And yet those who shrink back, those who say, this is difficult, this is hard, I'm having to give up things I enjoy, I'm having to make myself do things I don't want to do if I'm going to be obedient to Jesus. I'm going to have to rein in my own passions and desires to trust in him. I'm just going to give up. And for them, it was going back to the pagan temple or going back to the old covenant. For us, it's going back to the ways of the world and just saying, hey, let me make myself number one. I'm good enough. Let me just give up on all this. And I don't know, Dr. Phil's got some good advice. Let me, let me go with that. I send myself off on trails. I'm sorry. Let me rein myself back in and shrink back. Like I don't pursue it with confidence. I'm going to shrink back. He has no pleasure in him. And in verse 39, he shows us what it is to shrink back. To shrink back is to be destroyed. Is to lose it. That's what we're facing is if we don't have the confidence, if we don't have trust in Jesus, that we face being left out of entering the promised land. We face an eternity without God. We lose our eternal life that we're hoping for. This is, and I say, this is saying that, as we've seen throughout Hebrews, faith that saves is faith that endures. It's not raising your hand at one moment at a revival. It's not deciding one day at confirmation and then never following through with anything. It's a faith that's lived day after day after day, trusting in Jesus. That is what saving faith is, is a saving faith that endures. And so he's calling us to hold on and not shrink back because we've already invested. Why would we throw that away, throw away our confidence, throw away the confidence of brothers and sisters and lose the reward and the hope that we have? So, whether you can remember a vivid moment when someone shared the gospel with you or you heard the gospel from the pulpit of revival and you raised your hand and you know a moment that you trusted in God, you have a faith that continues and endures. And whether or not maybe you grew up in church and you say, you know, I don't know a time I didn't believe in Jesus. I know there was a time I had some doubts. I struggled with them. And I had a time that I knew that um, I had to make the faith my own and not just follow because my parents. But then I decided I'm all in. And I don't know exactly where and then I was regenerated. But today I'm trusting in Jesus. Whatever you are in, in that line of things, the, the point is, are you trusting him today? Will you trust him tomorrow? Will you keep that confidence? Because wherever you are, you've invested something by saying, I'm turning away from myself. I'm dying to myself. 
That's a price to be paid to follow Jesus. And am I going to throw all that away now and lose that hope, lose what is promised to me, lose the kingdom? Whoever the writer of Hebrews was, they knew how to stir. He's reminding us that we have confidence, but we have confidence as part of a family. Chapter 11 is going to start listing all those people out to remind us of their faith to help me continue in my confidence. They've done it. You do it. And he's reminding us who who it is. He doesn't just say, okay, you've got to watch it or you're going to fall away. He reminds us who we are. We are not those who shrink back. That's not who we are. We are those who have faith and preserve our souls. If you're here and you're following Christ, you are not somebody who shrinks back from a cost. If you've been enlightened to the gospel and you've really understood that I have to turn away from myself, you're not somebody who turns away from paying a price. We are not those who shrink back. We follow Christ. We follow the one who did not shrink back from suffering in the garden He said, take this cup if it's your will, but not my will but thine. He's willing to accept the pain. He doesn't shrink back from the cross. That's who we are. We're we're from a long line that's going to be listed in Hebrews 11 of those who didn't shrink back from suffering and who didn't shrink back from paying the price of following Jesus, who are willing to endure whatever it takes because they have confidence in the promise of Jesus. And that's who you are. That's who we are. He doesn't say, follow me and your life's going to get easy. I look around and I know all the things that we're dealing with. I don't know everything, but I know that everyone in here is facing something and dealing with something and suffering something. You're not the ones who shrink back. Look around. You've seen those. They don't shrink back from horrors and nightmares that we endure. They have confidence. That's who we are. We are those who have faith. We trust in the promises of God. We might do it staggering and falling and stumbling, but we do it together and we do it trusting in the one, knowing that whatever we do, whatever we pay, however much we stagger, we don't shrink back. We hold on and therefore we preserve our souls. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Nicene Creed.